and a father are just conscious of sometimes it's hard. It's hard to say hallelujah when we're overwhelmed by the circumstances, when we're overwhelmed by our brokenness, when we're overwhelmed by the spiritual warfare raging around us. But God, I thank you that even in that word, our, our focus is changed from the waves at our feet, God, to the one who walks across water. Our focus is changed from the circumstances around us to, to the glory of a God who became flesh and walked among us, who died so that we might live, and who's coming again. Who's coming again. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you, God. It's possible that you would take these few moments that we have, God. Speak to us words of life. Take your written word and make it your living word. And help us to see Jesus in it. Help us to speak Jesus as a result. And God, we will give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. If you would, would you pull out your scriptures, however you access them. Begin, if you would, uh, with Genesis 12. Turn to Genesis 12. We'll give you just a moment to do that. That I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The very word of God. Thanks be to God. And from the book of Matthew. Chapter 28 verses 16 through 20. We hear these words. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Now if you would turn to our passage for the day in Luke chapter 10. Um, I was reflecting um, in preparation for this morning, we have um, visited this passage over the past six years four different times. Um, we're, seeking, we're seeking that balance between head knowledge and heart knowledge. I'm making up a word here real fast, but I'm going to think of foot knowledge, right? Where we actually step into it and, and live it out. We have discovered together that that God gives us his word so that we'll put it into practice, right? And and so Luke chapter 10 is just this amazing 
amazing, very practical guide on how, how to reach your neighbors, on how to make disciples who make disciples. Hear the word of God with me, would you? After this, the Lord appointed 72 others besides uh, the 12 that he had just sent out and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. If you have the word before you, would you join me for verse 2? And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Thank you. The word continues, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son or a person of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Doesn't that sound crazy? Wow. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick that is in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Would you just practice saying that last phrase with me? The kingdom of God has come near to you. Now jump down, if we would, to verse 16. Not because those words aren't important, but because limited time today. The one who hears you, hears me, Jesus said. Let that sink in just for a moment, beloved. The one who hears your words, hears his words. And the one who rejects you, rejects Jesus. And the one who rejects Jesus, Jesus says, rejects him who sent him. In other words, rejects God the Father. Well, 72 returned from that mission with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And, And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series on on, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And and again, it's been very intentional with the goal of of 
um, impacting the neighborhood that God has called you to for the kingdom of God. And again, many of you right now are picturing uh, literal neighborhoods. I've got a little 70 house neighborhood that I'm trying to impact for the kingdom of God. But early on in our series, we challenged you to define that neighborhood because yours might be, Kathy, I'm thinking of you, might be the co-workers. I'm still angry about this at, at the chocolate store, right? Okay, I'll get over it, Kathy, I promise. But we invite each of you to, to, to let the Holy Spirit help you define your neighborhood. It might be your workplace. It might be your family right now. It might be... It might be um, your literal neighborhood. So the question is, how do we become good neighbors? And at all of that, we understand that deeper question to be, how do we make disciples who make disciples, right? Jesus said, in your going, in whatever you do, make disciples of all people groups, right? Immersing them in the nature and character of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teaching them, yes, but teaching them to put into practice everything I've taught you, right? And, and lo, he says, behold, I will be with you to the very end of the age. So I'm going to start this today. If you open up your notes, you go, there's no way on God's green earth that he's going to make it through that. And, and that's probably true. Um, we'll go as far as we can and pick it up next week, okay? Understand right now, though, the Lord is commissioning you. It's not just the guys going into Wabash. It's not just our elders and deacons for particular roles within this body. But he's commissioning you, beloved. You are his plan A to make disciples of all people groups, right? It's not, it's not literal political boundaries of nations. It's all people groups. There are 70 plus people groups in this city alone, right? Um, and, and God is inviting us to be his presence in the midst of those people groups and to move them. And he gives us really practical ways of doing that. The thing that's going to stop you is if you feel alone in that, right? So understand right here at the outset, you are not alone, right? Surely, Jesus said in the Great Commission, by the way, could you listen how did, how did Dave put it this morning? He says, I could, I could listen to Beth read the telephone book, right? And, and I would be blessed, right? Um, she's a gifted teacher. And I just, uh, it helps me so much to hear other people reading the Word of God for me, right? Surely I will be with you, she read, right? Um, Jesus says to us, so, so in a very powerful sense, you are never alone. Jesus will be with you. But what I love about our passages today is that that's not just a theological truth, but it's a very practical one, too. Sometimes we need Jesus with flesh on. Sometimes we need people, right, with us as well. And I love it that, that when Jesus um, partnered with us, he sends, sends us out in twos. We are not alone. We were doing our deacon training earlier this week and, and just saying, um, go and fulfill your calling. Go and proclaim the gospel and heal. But don't go alone. Don't go alone. Take somebody with you, right? So Jesus will never leave you 
or forsake you. And Jesus will not send you alone. So, so a, a real practical question right here is to ask yourself, with whom has God called me to spend this season of growth, right? Who am I walking with on this, on this journey of discipleship, right? And that's going to come back to us several times over the next couple of weeks. Secondly, first, you understand you're not alone, but understand your purpose here, too. You go to prepare the way for Jesus, right? He sent the 72 every place he was about to go, right? So when, when I'm looking across that dark street at that school bus, it's not just me going, oh, I'm going to randomly choose that person, right? Um, the Holy Spirit was moving in there. Jesus was saying, I, I want to I reach that person, right? So cross the street, Dave, right? Cross the street, cross, cross the office, cross, cross the globe, right? Because Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. And he's called you to partner with him and with his precious bride, the church, in proclaiming and healing, casting out. Notice that Jesus was constantly here expanding the boundaries of the kingdom, right? He was pushing out the walls. He was going beyond what, what even his own disciples thought were the boundaries. And, and he's going to do that with you. Right? Do you guys remember those of you going into Wabash? Do you remember the first time you went into Wabash? Right? What am I doing? Especially as as that gate slammed behind you. Right? They used to call it the slammer. I I was a deputy sheriff. I spent my first year in the jail. It was a brass jail, and those those doors slammed. Right? What have I got myself into? Right? God is going to use you, beloved, to press the boundaries of the kingdom of God. And, and you know God's heart. His heart is for the last and the least and the lost, right? The boundaries are going to make you uncomfortable. They're going to make you uncomfortable. So anchor yourself in his presence. Anchor yourself in your mutual calling with your brothers and sisters. Their job was to plant communities where faith where there were none, Right? And then, and then to make disciples there, right? And then to get out of Dodge, right? Then to move on, right? Because there's always more boundaries that God is expanding. That's what discipleship is, is, is walking with people long enough so that they can get everything they need for a life of discipleship and then to send them out and then to release them for God's calling in your life, in their life, excuse me. Again, in your going, Matthew 28, 18, make disciples who make disciples of all people groups. So understand you're not alone. Understand that you go to prepare the way for Jesus. But understand also the urgency of making disciples who make disciples. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, Right? The laborers of you, the harvest is ready right now. Right? It's easy for us, isn't it, to start wringing our hands and think, oh, the golden days of, of Christendom are past, right? The, the golden days of the church are past because you read reports of 
people who don't know Jesus, by the way, usually, about how the church is declining, how all those things are going. No, there's never been a greater time for the harvest. How do I know that? Because there's never been more persecution right now of Christianity than ever before in human history, right? Um, So the harvest is ready. Spiritual warfare is engaged. There are people whom God has already prepared. This is this is about as close as I get to a guilt trip here, beloved. There are people whom God has prepared to receive the gospel and no one is sharing it with them. Or they're going to go to hell because you didn't share. God will raise up someone else. What will happen is that you will have missed that blessing of, of that person coming to know Jesus through your faithfulness. People ready. They're out there. Um, what will you do? What will you do? That's what the urgency of what we're talking about. Well, where do we begin? And I'm, I'm struggling as I say this because, because there's a couple of responses to this. Let me say it and then I'll get to it. We start by praying earnestly. Now, now, the reason I'm stumbling is because it's so easy. People say, well, I guess there's nothing else I can do. I'll just pray, right? Oh, come on. We know better than that, right? There's nothing more important than you can do than pray. Start by praying. And what are we praying for specifically? He just gave us that instruction that the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers who would go out into the harvest, right? How does that work for you when you begin praying the Lord of the harvest to send out workers? You don't see this coming, do you? (laughs) Oh, man, when we pray for something, God gives us a heart for it, right? And often, not always, often, we are the answer to that prayer. So pray. Pray. Start by praying the Lord of harvest to send out workers into his field, right? And we can't wait. We can't wait until we're unafraid. I'm, I'm stumbling even as I speak here because I'm going to challenge you to follow the peace of Christ. But, but... You can have completely have the peace of Christ and and still fear, right? Until that day when God holds, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I know he's going to say these words. When he holds your face in his hands and he says, be glorified, right? Until that day, fear is going to be a part of it, right? And and we'll talk another time about how to translate fear of men, women into the fear of God instead. But, but let me just say today, you can't wait until you're not afraid, right? Um, if you had done that, Mike, you never would have gone through those gates, right? Um, no, you've got to trust in the midst of the fear that everything God said is true. You've got to trust in the one who sends you. Now, a couple of, of, of other points that are really important, and then I'll... I'll I'll pick up beginning verse uh, or beginning point five next week. It was really interesting. He said, carry no money, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road, right? He said, travel light, right? I think that does a couple things for us. One is that it, it shows that we're completely dependent on him 
and not on our own selves. Now, this is the exact opposite of the counsel I give our high schoolers and college students when we're going backpacking, right? Um, think very carefully about what you will need and pack it, right? And we actually unpack their packs and say, do you have a sleeping bag? Do you have a pad, right? We make sure of those things. But Jesus is saying the opposite. He's saying, trust me in this, right? And then, and then why is he doing that? This is Dave speaking now. Because there's something beautiful that happens when you let the people who you're called to serve bless you, right? There's, it, there's a directional aspect to it. You'll discover what God is doing. But, but you'll also, people want to have a piece of this, right? They want to serve. You failed, Kristen. I told you at five till to stand up and begin walking forward and <laughs> come on up, worship team. She's so gracious. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to um, like they do in the in the Oscars when they start raising the microphone. You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so I said, just come on up, and and I'm going to continue. We'll we'll um, we'll transition here. Well, what what baggage? I want you to ask yourself, what baggage am I carrying that's hindering my going? Can I say that again? What baggage, what bags or knapsacks or accoutrements am I carrying that are hindering me from going? And that may be physical baggage. That may be stuff, you know. Um, Karen and I, in the 30 years we've been in Evansville, have accumulated stuff. And, and... And, and I couldn't I couldn't just up and go tomorrow um, to a foreign land, right? Because I've got stuff. So so let me just say um, that it does include physical stuff. Think, let's let's figure out how we can walk through this world more lightly. But today, especially, I want um, to focus on two other things. I want to focus on emotional baggage, right? I want to focus on those things that. That you think, oh, this is this is nothing. I'd like that two-pound exercise weight. It's easy to curl the first time, but you carry that thing for two days, and it's going to feel like a hundred pounds, right? Unmet expectations, broken relationships, unforgiveness, busyness. We've already mentioned fear, right? Um, being a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that, that you're automatically freed from emotional baggage. With his grace, you can gently take those things and lay them down. And I would suggest you lay them down at the foot of the cross, right? But, but they're real. You are a physical being. You are an emotional being as well. And, and ask yourself, um, Jesus, where do I still need healing? How, what positive steps? Who, even in this room right now, can help me on that journey? Right? And then lastly, I just want to say something. I didn't put these two words together, but... Um, Sometimes we have spiritual baggage. 
We have spiritual baggage. Sometimes um, God or the church or another believer didn't didn't um, didn't respond to us in the way that we thought. We got wounded, we got mad, and we turned that anger inwards. Got hurt, right? And 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 we're still mad at that person, or we're still mad at the church, or we're still mad at God, right? We just ask you. By the way, I am completely um, putting my weight down on the reality that God is sovereign and no one can snatch you out of his hands, right? You can't. You can mess up, but you can't mess this up, right? Because it's not about you. It's about him, right? And so, so... My question for you is, how long, how many seconds after entering into God's presence do you think that baggage will go away? Uh, pretty fast, right? Why not? Now, I want us to be very careful. Uh, she said before you get there, I want to be very careful. Um, we still have it. It's our choice right now. To lay it down, why would we carry it for another year or five years or 20 years should the Lord tarry when we can lay it down right now? I just really want to invite you. You are his plan A, right? And, And let's not let anything physically, emotionally, or spiritually. I'm stumbling for a second because I'm... I don't want to oversimplify. Um, uh, your spiritual walk is a journey. And, and for some of us, it'll be a, it'll be a longer journey. Uh, and, and, and God will reveal little by little the things to us that we need to overcome. But right now, we can say one word. Change the whole outlook of that journey. One word. Jesus. It's not a mantra. It's not, you know, a spiritual code word. It is a name which encompasses the sovereign purposes of God. It's a name which embodies overwhelming love of God for you. There is no judgment or condemnation, right? For those who are in Christ. What is it? Say it. Jesus. Right? Again, it's not not a secret little key or something. There is power in the name of Jesus. And, And when you choose when you choose to speak the name of Jesus, then, then you take a giant step into your physical healing. Yeah, I'm looking at you. I'm going to believe that for you, Jeannie. We're going to believe that. That God's healing is there for you.
for those of you carrying incredible emotional burdens, for your emotional healing, God wants you to be whole, right? For those of you in darkness of spiritual battle for your spiritual healing, would you, would you just risk it with me? Just say his name together. Ready? Jesus. Just do that two more times. Jesus.